Well, good morning, Mercy Road Church. How are you doing this morning? Yes. Hey, if it's your first time here, welcome. We are so excited that you chose to join us in person this morning. If you're joining us from online, thank you for watching and joining us in worship from wherever you're at this morning. We believe here that there is no one who is too far from God to experience a life change through Jesus. And we do believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we believe that the song just said, He was a healer then and He heals now. He was a redeemer then and He redeems now. And He is still in the business of putting lives together. So I don't know what you came in here with this morning, but I hope that you came to get a word from the living God. I hope you came expectant to worship our God today. If I hadn't a chance to meet you yet, my name is Invita, and I am very part-time on staff here. And I am also a mom of four and a wife of one. <laughs> yeah, true story. My husband says that he wants to keep it that way. So, yeah. <laughs> I just, um, before we dive into the message, I want to share that I've been part of this cohort this year. And it has women from all over the U.S., in leadership positions in ministry. And as I'm hearing conversations, what I'm learning is that what we have at Mercy Road Church is pretty crazy, amazing, and unique. Some of you might know this, some of you might not, but do you know that we have women who are on the board here? We have female pastors here. We have women in key leadership positions here, and this is not the norm. So I wanna honor Pastor Josh and Lisa this morning can we celebrate them for creating a culture that empowers women and giving them opportunity to use their God-given gifts and talents for the kingdom? It's pretty awesome. We're so thankful for them. You guys look amazing, by the way. All the girls, do you know that someone in this church wanted to make you feel so special today that they have bought flowers for all the girls? Young, old, doesn't matter the age, so make sure you grab some this morning. And as amazing as you look this morning, Every day is not like that, is it? Like, we don't always look this put together or good. Some of you walked in this morning, and you were a single mom, and you're working full-time jobs, and you are trying to provide for your kids, trying to figure out how to go back to school along with that. Some of you are stay-at-home moms, and you're doing it all. You're making sure every single person in your house has everything that they need to survive and thrive. Others of you, you are trying to work a full-time career, manage all your kids and their activities and their future sports careers, and making sure your husband survives in the process too. Some of you, you're in the sandwich generation where you're trying to work full-time jobs, you're trying to take care of your adult children and their children and your aging parents. Like, you have a lot going on. And I think that even though we have all these things that we do as women... A lot of times, the conversations that we have are with ourselves are like, I don't know if I'm doing enough. I don't know if I'm a good enough mom. I don't know if I feel seen. I don't know if I have what it takes. And if you walked in here this morning feeling any of that, I want to tell you that you're not alone. In fact, I was reading this book a while ago, and I felt like I needed to remember it because I was used it someday. And guess what? That day is today. 
And um, it was in this book, it's called Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, and she's talking about women. And she says, we consistently underestimate ourselves. Multiple studies in multiple industries show that women often judge their own performance as worse than it actually is, while men judge their own performance as better than it actually is. <laughs> True stories. Studies have proven this. Assess <laughs> Assessments of students in a surgery rotation found that when asked to evaluate themselves, the female students gave themselves lower scores than the male students, despite the faculty evaluations that showed that women outperformed the men. A survey of several thousand political candidates revealed that despite having comparable credentials, the men were about 60% more likely to think that they were very qualified to run for political office. And a study of close to 1,000 Harvard Law students found that in every category of skills relevant to practicing law, women evaluate themselves in front of other people or in stereotypically male domains. Their underestimations can become even more pronounced. Isn't that wild? And I remember the first time I read that, I was like, what is wrong with us? Like, why would we think so negatively about ourselves? And when I was asked to speak on this day, I feel like God really drew me back to this book. And when I read that, I'm like, okay, God, why did you bring me back to this? I'm like, what is one thing that you want to share with your daughters on this day? If there's one thing that I could tell them, what would it be? And I really feel like he put it on my heart to tell someone today that you have been created in the image of an extraordinary God. So be extraordinary. That goes for the men in the room too, right? Yes, it does. I would love it if you would interact with me. <laughs> um, yeah, you have been created in the image of an extraordinary God. So be extraordinary. How many of us believe that we have been created in the image of God? His word, the word of the living God says that we have been created. Will you raise your hands up as we open up with a prayer? Father, I thank you so much for every hand that's raised in this place and at home. God, we are believing the fact, what you have spoken, that we have been created in your image. And God, we thank you for giving us the privilege to be called your sons and your daughters. And oftentimes, God, we don't see ourselves the way you see us. So, Father, I just pray that you would open our hearts and our mind and help us to see the way you have made us. And, God, I just pray that you would help us to live our life to our full potential for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in the book of Exodus as we open this morning. The title of the message today is Be Extraordinary. Be Extraordinary. We're going to be in the book of Exodus, chapter 1. 15 through 22, and we're going to be looking at the women in the life of Moses. Have you guys ever heard the quote where it says, um, behind every successful man, there is a woman? Yeah, Moses had five. By the time he was three months old, no wonder he's able to lead the whole nation of Israel out of freedom, right? Um, but before we dive into the scripture, hear a little bit of background, what has happened Joseph, he gets betrayed by his family, by his brothers, and through a series of events, he ends up in Egypt, and now he's second in command. And there's a famine for seven years, and he's in charge of making sure everyone has food to eat. 
And soon the surrounding nations, they start coming to Egypt looking for food. And his brothers also come. Joseph recognizes them and he forgives them. And he's like, hey, you know what? I want my whole family to come and live in Egypt. You'll get the best land and you can come settled here and you can be provided for. So they do that. Fast forward a few hundred years later, Joseph's dead, all these people who came, they're gone too. And the current king, he doesn't know what had happened hundreds of years ago and what Joseph did. And the population, you guys, of these Hebrew people has multiplied. Apparently, they don't have the same access to entertainment that the Egyptians do because their population just keeps growing. And the Pharaoh starts freaking out a little bit. And he's like, okay, I need to do something. So he enforces slavery. And the more he oppresses them, the more they keep multiplying. And he is so desperate. And this is what happens next. The king of Egypt said to Hebrew midwives, whose names were Sephira and Pua, when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see the baby and it's a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told him to do, and they let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and called them and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? And the midwives answered Pharaoh, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women who get pampered all day and night. They are fit from working hard all day, and they're so vigorous. That's my version, not in the Bible. This is why you should read your own. Vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became so numerous. And the, because the midwives feared God, he gave them their own families. Then the Pharaoh gave this order to all the people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. My first point this morning is this. Live with extraordinary courage. Live with extraordinary courage. You know, when you're reading this section, it's so easy to just read through what just happened Read over what just happened. But what happened here was actually pretty crazy amazing. See, the Pharaoh, he was so desperate that he invites the midwives into his courts, which is completely unheard of at this culture. He doesn't just invite these women into his courts. He's asking for help from these women, these Hebrew women, which is also something that's completely unheard of. He doesn't just invite them into his courts. He gives them a direct order. He's like, hey, I know that your very job is to bring life into the world, but I am giving you a direct order to take it away. That's pretty heavy. And twice in this very short section, it says that the midwives, they feared God. And it's not this fear where we think like, oh, they were so afraid of God and they didn't want to die and go to hell. So they're trying to do the right thing. No, the original word that's used for fear in this text, it means that they had so much awe for God. They had so much respect for God. They had so much adoration for God. And it was this love and adoration and respect led them to go directly against what the king of Egypt was asking them to do. They could have died because they disobeyed the man and authority of the whole nation. That's wild. 
And I love what Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for the human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you're serving. I just want to remind us today that we all have people in our life. We have authority in our life, whether it be your parents, maybe it's at work, and I don't know what that authority looks like in your life. And authority is from God, and God wants you to respect authority in your life. That's very clear. But when the person in authority tells you to do something that is not in line with who God is or what his word says, you will have a choice to make. Now, I want to encourage someone here today to have the courage to put God first in your choices. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but maybe you're in a work situation right now and you have a boss and they're asking you to do some things. Maybe cut corners here, maybe do something here that you know that God is probably not going to be pleased with whatever they're asking you to do, but you're like, oh, do I do this? Because if you don't do it, you might not get the promotion that you wanted. You might not die, but you might be let go of the position. And you might be faced with those choices as a student or a young person in your life. And what I want to encourage you is that when that time comes, have the courage to put God first in all your decisions. As we keep reading this um, section here, in the end, it says that God gave these women their own families. This is not just like a throwaway sentence that's in there. See, in this culture, to be a midwife, one of the requirements of being a midwife was that these women were infertile. They couldn't have their own families. So nobody might have seen the steps that they did, but guess what? God saw what they did. So much so that in this small text here, he chooses to have them mentioned here by name, Sapphira and Pua. These were the midwives. The king of Egypt, who had all the power and all the authority at this point in history, he's not mentioned by name. We don't know who he was. But God's like, you know what? I see what you did. I know the courage that you had to put me first. And guess what? I'm going to make sure that people thousands of years later who are going to read this, they're going to know your name. He saw them. And you know what he did? He redeemed their whole situation with not having children. Isn't that awesome? Now, I want to tell you that you see, we see this pattern all the time in the Bible where we have a God of redemption. Whenever we choose to put him first in our lives, in all our choices, I want to tell you that God is a God of redemption, and I want to encourage you to have the courage to put him first in your life, in every single choice that you're making. The second point this morning is have extraordinary faith. Have extraordinary faith. We just read that the Pharaoh has lost his mind, not in those words, but he wants all the boys to be thrown away in the river Nile. Now, as a parent, I want to tell you, like, I can't even comprehend that. I think being pregnant is stressful enough. And now these women are pregnant and they don't know if it's going to be a boy or girl because if it's a boy, they're going to have to kill their own child. And I know there are people who have walked in here this morning. While we haven't gone through this exact scenario, you have gone through some really hard things in your life with your children 
and losing children. And I just want to acknowledge your pain this morning. And I'm sorry that you have had to go through those things. And there are other people who are sitting here this morning. You haven't had that, but you've lost a mother. Maybe recently, maybe decades ago, and this year, every year you're just reminded of that void. And it's just, it's painful for you. Others of us, we can't relate to any of those. But if you're human, you have probably had some times in your life where you have felt like super stressed, where things were felt like they were out of control. And I was trying to think of a story to tell you for today. And there's so many. I was like, which one do I tell? And then I remember this one time, it was six years ago, and um, I had just had a baby, my third child. And I had some really weird postpartum thing where I couldn't bend my arms. If I bend my arm for more than 15, 20 seconds, they would go numb and I would have a lot of pain. So then I'm running around my house, you know, doing my chores, cooking food, trying to keep my arms straight, cleaning dishes, whatever. I was probably more dramatic than this. (laughs) But I was trying to manage my life at the time and all these little children. And um, this one particular day, My five-year-old was having a complete meltdown, yelling, screaming, crying. I have no idea what was going on with him. Because at the same time, my newborn was just screaming at the top of his lungs because he should have probably been fed like half hour ago. But I couldn't take care of him. Because at the same time, my three-year-old had received chemotherapy in his IV and his spine, and he's having crazy side effects, and he's projectile vomiting all over my living room, and he's not feeling good, and I'm trying to take care of him, but I couldn't finish taking care of him, because at the same time, my husband's on the couch with his leg up in so much pain, because he has fractured his foot. He really did fracture his foot, and I do believe him when he says he was in pain, and, but he was hurting, and he's like, I need help. I'm like, yeah, you do, <laughs> but... Uh, he's like, I need so much help. He's like, I need help. I need you to help me check my sugar. He's a type 1 diabetic. He's like, I really need help. I'm like, okay, fine, I will help you. So I checked his sugar, and it was 35, which is low. So I'm like, well, you win. Since I don't want you going into a coma and in the hospital, I will take care of you. And then I turned around, and I was like, Jesus, this is not funny. And then I just started laughing, because that's what normal people do. (laughs) But what do you do? What do we do when life just happens, right? When you feel like the punches just keep coming and things just seem so out of control and there is no end in sight. What do we do? Let's look at what Moses' parents did. Exodus 2, 1 through 3. It says, Now a man of the house of Levi, the priestly tribe, went and took as his wife a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was especially beautiful and healthy, She hid him for three months to protect him from the Egyptians. And when she could no longer hide him, she got him a basket, chest made of papyrus reed, and covered it with tar and pitch, making it waterproof. Then she put the child in it, set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. We don't know the prayers that they might have prayed. We don't know what they were feeling, but we know what they did. They did everything that was in their control to do. She had 
She was pregnant with the child. She gave birth to the child. She hid this child for three months. And when she could not do anything more, she made a basket, lined it, put her baby in it, and then she let it go. Let go and trust God. And that is a word for someone in the house this morning. Let go and trust God. You know, there's so many, it's May. A lot of kids are getting ready to graduate high school. And sometimes as parents, it's hard for us to let go, isn't it? But you have done everything that you can do for the last 18 years that was in your power to do. And God is like, will you let go? And will you trust me? Because I love your child more than you love your child. Will you trust me with this child? Some of us might need to let go of the conversation that might have happened in the car on the way in this morning. Some of us might need to let go of things that we have been holding on to for maybe years or even decades. Things like anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, shame, envy, pride, your idea of success, fear, doubt, regrets. I don't know what it is that God is asking you to let go, but oftentimes, because as human beings, what we want to do is like hang on to all these things, but at the same time, come to church, do all the studies, want to know God, and be like, God, I want all the promises that you have for me, but I don't want to let go of the pride. God, I want the best that you have for me, but I don't really want to forgive that person. God, I want a life that's full of peace and freedom, but I don't really want to let go of the things that I've been holding on to. But if we want the best that God has for us, we have to learn to let go to have what it is that only He can do and the best that only he can provide for us. And I love, we see this pattern in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. This is a great faith chapter. And people are mentioned here by name from the Old Testament. And I love it because it's just a reminder of all these people who had this crazy, amazing, extraordinary faith. And all of them had a choice to make if they were gonna choose to be faithful and to have faith in this God. Noah, he had amazing faith, extraordinary faith, when he chose to build an ark in the middle of a desert for over a hundred years because God told him to. He had to let go of what people thought and what their opinions were because he had faith in the one true God. Abraham, he let go of his homeland and he went towards the promises of God. Sarah, she had to let go of what she thought was naturally possible when she gave birth to a child at almost 100 years old. And do you know who else is mentioned in this great faith chapter? Moses' parents. They are mentioned here for having extraordinary faith. We only read about them for just a few verses in the book of Exodus. But guess what? God's like, they had crazy, amazing faith. When they trusted me through all the things that they went through and they let this child go in the middle of a river with their child. So I just want to encourage somebody here today that when you find yourself holding on to something that God has asked you to let go of, 
Will you choose to have faith in God and pray? Pray for your child. Pray for that relationship. Pray for your future. Pray. Doesn't mean you have to forget about it, but trust, let the situation go and pray and give it to God. And I assure you that God will do things that will just blow your mind because you have let go and you have let him do what only he can do. So I wonder where God is asking us this morning. Where is he asking you to have this extraordinary faith in your life? What is something that he's asking you to let go that you've been holding on to? Let's see what happens next. We're in Exodus 2, 4 through 9. It says, his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slaves to get it. She opened it and saw the baby, and the baby was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women for you to nurse the baby? Yes, go, she said. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and became her son. And she named him Moses, saying that I drew him out of the water. My third point is this this morning. Have extraordinary boldness. Extraordinary boldness. Anyone in here who have siblings? Anybody have siblings? Yay. I have a younger brother. He's five years younger than me. And when I read this, I was like, oh my goodness, what is Miriam thinking? The scholars think she's like between six and 12 years old. And I remember when I was young, I was so protective of my baby brother. Like, I didn't want anything to happen to him. And here's Miriam. Her mother has put the baby brother in a basket and put it in the Nile River, which is full of crocodiles. Like, is she angry? Is she upset? Is she bitter? What is she thinking? We don't know what she's thinking, but we read about her. Like, she's in the distance, and the next thing you know, she's like... Can I get a wet nurse for you? <laughs> you know, she, like, she just pops up out of nowhere. I'm like, what? Do you know that she's talking to the daughter of the Pharaoh, the guy who has just put into fact that, hey, all the baby boys need to be killed. Her daddy made that law. And she has the audacity to go to this girl and be like, hey, do you want me to get somebody to take care of this baby for you who can nurse this baby for you? Isn't that wild? And I want to tell you, and I want to talk to the young people in the room, 18 and under, let's go. Are you kidding me? There's nobody in here? I will talk to you. I want to tell you that, you know what, Miriam, she was young. She was young, and God can use people regardless of their age. You don't have to be a certain age to be used by God. And he used this girl because of her boldness to save the babe that ended up leading millions of people out into freedom. And she was able to be a part of God's big plan because of the choice that she made. And you have choices that you can make today if you choose to be bold. I was um, preparing for this, and I was like, oh, I, need, uh, I was trying to think of a time in my life, and I feel like God reminded me of this story. I was um, about 13 years old, and my home church that I grew up in, it was... Um, full of immigrants from India, and all, most of us were related to each other, and probably about 100 people there. And if we ever has a, had a visitor, they would stand out. And at this one particular day, we have this time to where we go and greet 
each other mostly, you know, and if there's somebody new, go say hi. And this one day we had these visitors and I really felt like I was supposed to go say hi to them. My, this, this might come as a surprise to you, but I'm actually a very much an introvert and talking to random people is not my thing. And it was really hard for me, but I really felt like I needed to go and say hi to these people. So I walk across all the pews and I was like, hi, my name is Invita. Thanks for coming and joining us this morning. And they're like, yeah, thank you. Um, my name is Pam and my name is Dick and whatever. And I, I was like, oh, and I really felt like I was supposed to remember their name. I'm like, that's weird because I have a problem remembering names. And if you've had a conversation with me, you know it's true. I can't remember names for the life of me. This is something I'm still working on. But I really felt like I was supposed to remember their name. So I repeat their names all the way back and a week goes by and these people come back, you guys, and nobody ever came back. And I'm like, oh, we have visitors that came back two days in a row or two weeks in a row and I was so excited. So I go and I'm like, Pam, Dick, you guys came back. Thank you for joining us. I am so happy you came back. And they just froze. And I didn't really know why they froze. A few months later, Pam, or Pam ended up telling me, she's like, hey, I want you to know that we had gone to so many churches before coming here. And we just want it to be seen and we just want it to be known. And I want you to know, you are the only person who remembered us by name from all the places that we went to. And the reason why we joined this church for this season of life is because you remembered our name. And I want you to know that we had set aside X amount of money, which was a large amount of money, to donate to the church that we would join. And I want you to know that we ended up donating it here. Now, this might not sound like a big deal, but in a church that was full of immigrants who weren't taught or believed in tithing, this was huge. And as I was thinking about that, God just started reminding me of all the times that he has always been there in my life. And I didn't know that that was the voice of God at the time. But when I followed that prompting and when it was his voice, he confirmed it every time. Now I wanna tell you that it doesn't matter how old you are, if you're young, you're old, God speaks and his voice is so real. And if I'm being completely honest, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I know when there are times when he speaks, I'm like 100% that was God. But majority of the time, it's like, oh, I think that was God. I don't know. And I try to follow it. And sometimes I'm like, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to buy this dress for you. If it doesn't mean anything, give it away, please. This is weird. Like who buys random people dresses, you know? But sometimes God shows up and you're just like, oh my God, you're awesome. But I want to encourage you to be bold and follow those promptings as long as it's in line with who God is and what his word is because God is doing stuff in our generation he's doing stuff right now in this time in this city in your sphere of influence and you have a choice to make if you are gonna follow that prompting and be bold and go chase after him and as we wrap up I want to say that all these women they made a conscious decision to be bold to be extraordinary with their courage and to have faith. And God used ordinary women to do the extraordinary, to be a part of His big plan. So I don't know if you're sitting here today and you're a child, you're a teenager, you're a young adult, young mom, you're premenopausal, postmenopausal, whatever category of life that you put yourself in. 
before all those things. I want you to know that you are the daughter of the Most High God and that makes you royalty. And you are called, you are chosen, you are equipped, you are gifted, you are empowered by the same Spirit that raised Jesus Himself from the dead. And everything that He's called you to do in this generation, in this point in history, is already inside of you. So go be extraordinary. Let's go, women. Let's close with a prayer. God, I just wanna thank you. God, I thank you for your women. I thank you for the men. God, I thank you for your children. Father, I thank you for giving us the privilege to be called your sons and daughters. God, I thank you for giving us the choice to be a part of what you are doing at this point in history in our cities, in our world, God. And Father, I just pray that you would give us the courage, the boldness, the faith to live out everything that you have put inside of us. In Jesus' name, all for your glory. Amen.